What's up, soccer fans? Mike Guyani, sons of a pitch, an American soccer podcast, here to bring you this wonderful episode number 229, season five, episode five of Sons of a Pitch. Nick, USMNT, man, what the hell happened? <laughs> wow, Mike, no sugarcoating that, no, no setup, no dancing around, just... <laughs> What the hell, USMNT? And uh, really, I think that's the appropriate way to, to start it. Because, yeah, what the hell, man? Like, that was one of the worst performances that we've seen in a recent history of poor performances. Um, you, give me your 65% possession statistic, and I'll give you three shots on goal statistic, right? Like, I'll give me your 65% possession statistic uh, and, and the fact that Canada, you know, had to play in a low block the whole game, and I'll give you zero goals produced, two first-half goals this entire qualifying window. So I want to be glass half full, but I don't think I can, Mike, and we're going to get into it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, we're, we're going to talk a lot about USMNT. We're going to talk a lot about Canadian men's national team, uh, as well as some MLS stuff, uh, news and notes and whatnot, and then we've got a big announcement at the end of the show. So uh, we've got Isaiah Paskins in the house. We got Rocky as well. Maria Mario Garcia, badass kombucha, a new Wiseman. Thanks for jumping on, guys, and uh, hanging out with us. All right, so let's let's get right into it. Let's talk about the last two games from Concacaf World, World Cup qualifying. United States first up. Let's 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 kind of focus on USMNT here. United States, of course, they beat El Salvador one nothing in that first game. Not the best performance out there, um, but not horrible either. That game, what what did you take out of Tom? Really, bro? Mm-hmm. Oh my god! All right, get out of here. Nope. Say hi and get out. Go to bed. No. Go to bed. No. Hey, Tom. Nope. So what? What takeaways? No. Good night. What takeaways do we have? I will tell you how to live. Get the hell out of here. Go. <laughs> All right. Hey, so Mike, think, think of it this way, Mike. The, the biggest soccer events in the world have streakers running down the field. Hey, there you there. Go. Now we've got it on SOP soccer. <laughs> we got oh, our own little God. streaker there. Way to go, Tom. Cheers to you. <laughs> Dude, really, bro? Get out of here. No. I'm serious. No. You know? And there you go. This is why uh, This is why we have an announcement coming up later. Um, all right. So, uh, Tom, get the hell you're, out of here. You're, you're selling the kids to the gypsies. Is that the announcement? Or to the highest bidder? Does anyone want anyone want some children? Amen. <laughs> uh, shit, I'll give them away. You can have them for free. You don't even need a bid. All right. Anyways, USA El Salvador uh, in Columbus. It wasn't pretty, man. It wasn't pretty. Um but the bottom line is the United States got the full three points, and that's what mattered. Um, what are your thoughts on that game? And talk to me about where your head was at after that heading into that Canada game. So after that game, again, right, the whole narrative was we need to just get the points. We need to keep pace with our points per game, with our with the top teams in qualifying. Okay, fine. I don't want to say survive in advance because we're not in any sort of knockout rounds, but like that's, that was the mentality going into that. But you, you only can live on that so long until you see marked improvement from your squad. And the U S has not made that jump yet. And when they came up against a very good Canada squad, who was just 100% tactically prepared for the United States and emotionally prepared and physically prepared, then that whole, like just, 
just bend, don't break, it, it broke. And and that's what happened, Mike. So you, everyone was kind of waiting for that fall off, and it happened against Canada. So that that was kind of like the, the worst case scenario. And, and I've seen other people say it um, on Twitter, not just the crazy keyboard warriors, but like actual analysts have said, like, this is this is the low point. This is the breaking point. So where do you go from here? Is this that loss back in early in, uh, was it Nations League or was it Gold Cup, you know, group stage game? Is that this, is this the loss that rejuvenates you? And, and you know, all of a sudden the U.S. is going to come out firing for their last four games? Or is this just a, a final manifestation of, as people are calling it, Burhalter ball? Is this, yeah. is this the ceiling for us where we have such slim margins of error? That was my feeling coming out of the – um, El Salvador game and Canada didn't make me feel any better about it, Mike. Like I kept hoping, I kept hoping Davies is out. Estacchio is out. Let's take advantage of it. Don't get me wrong. The U S did everything except score goals. Yeah. I mean, go, going back to the El Salvador game, uh, you know, I, I hate to say it, but Jesus Ferreira, that was your chance, man. Um, you know, that, that was your chance. And I hate to see a guy lose out on a uh, and spot because of right. one bad game. Uh, but the fact that he couldn't bury those two chances that he had, uh, that, that really hurts him going forward. But again, with as wide open as the USMNT striker picture is, I mean, right. who is it? Is it Pepe? I mean, I, I think it's Pepe. You know, is, is it Zardes? No. Uh, you know, who is it Ferreira? Who, who's getting into that that striker position for the United States men's national team? And, and uh, you know, it was it was – not a good performance against El Salvador, but they got the three points, and then they went to Canada, which again I'm not I'm not expecting, I'm not expecting the U.S. to come out and just blow up Canada, you know, yeah. with with how good they've been playing. Um, I didn't expect them to come in and win four nothing, right? Now I did expect them to draw or possibly squeak out a win at Canada when Canada was missing Alfonso Davies, Stephen Estacio. And others. I mean, no tail Corbino, uh, who's playing in the championship right now. Um, you know, there, there was a lot of uh, a lot of players out for Canada. But I mean, that's a whole nother discussion. We, we're going to talk about this a little bit, a little bit more detail about the Canadian men's national team. It, this is this is like a revolution, man. I mean, this team has come leaps and bounds from where they used to be. And uh, they, they believe together. I mean, John Herdman, man, I remember when right. he got signed as the coach. I mean, it was like. Everybody was, no, why are we doing this? Bringing the women's coach over, you know, and and I'm like, this guy really, really, really has the drive and the push and can really rally a team together. He's, he's a great motivator and all that. And I think that is what Greg Berhalter is missing for the United States men's national team. He, he wants to play a certain way. He wants to build that new brand of American football, uh, but he can't rally his troops. That's not his persona. You know, that's not how he goes about it. Um, and the United States, I mean, they just look they, they just look like trash in that game against Canada, which, again, I'm sorry I wasn't able to do the live stream reaction. But, uh, you know, I, I was excited to actually sit down and watch the game. Like, yeah. there was nothing else going on in the world. It was 8, 9 o'clock at night, and I'm just sitting there watching that game. That's it. I'm not talking to anybody in the chat. I'm not moving any graphics around. I was focused on the soccer at hand. And it was a it was a beautiful thing from a Canada men's national team perspective, uh, but the United States yeah. they, they they have got a lot to figure out. I, I think it 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 really falls squarely on Greg Berhalter. 
Uh, but there are the players as well that have to be looked at. I mean, you, yeah. you see Pulisic. I mean, I see it here in the chat. You know, Pulisic was trash. Uh, you know, he's rarely that bad, says Rocky. Agreed, 100%. Um, yeah. but he Let's was... start with Pulisic, Mike. I, I want to pick your brain a little on Pulisic, if I can yeah. jump in here. Because, again, he's, he's the best player he, against Canada. He was the best player, talent-wise, on the right. pitch for both sides. No, no doubt right. about it, I don't think. Maybe McKenney's breaking into that argument. Uh, maybe a couple of the Canadian strikers Jonathan, are breaking Jonathan into that David's argument. Jonathan got him beat on talent. What's that? Jonathan David's on top of Christian Pulisic, hands down. Okay, fine. Well, Not we can say, say one or yeah. two. All right, fine. For, but for still, Chicago, right up fine. there, right up there. But, but Pulisic does not know how to adjust his game at this point. But, Mike, he's only 22 years old, right? So everybody out there, remember, our, our average age is – or, like, our oldest guys are, like, 24. Or our average age is 24. So, yeah, they've never done this before <laughs> as a group. Um so let's keep that in mind as kind of a backdrop to everything we're talking about. Not that experience is an excuse or inexperience is an excuse. We got to get the best guys out there playing their best. Pulisic is not playing his best. He he turns and he attacks, and I like that. But he gets doubled and tripled teamed. He's getting hacked. He's getting body checked. Yep. He's getting kicked off the ball. He's getting every everything thrown at him, and he has not learned how to adjust his game. I've been hearing a lot of people saying that, Pulisic needs to be used more as a dummy, as as a decoy, as let him run into the center of the field, drawing the defense, and then allowing, say, an Anthony Robinson or a, a Musa to, to fill in that vacate that vacated space and have some some free range on the wing. And you know, you put in a Paul Ariola or a Tim Weah on that same side as as the outside midfielder; those guys can run up and down the flanks, you know, all day. So Pulisic has to learn how to adjust his game. But here's what I, I'm wondering from you, Mike. His free kicks are, are just are just shite. Like I'm just he he has been had some of the worst free kicks that I've seen. Corner kicks, uh place kicks in the into the box. Like, do you think that that's tactical that they're trying to play these short kicks or, or to the near post kicks and trying to get him to flick on? Because honest to goodness, man, like put it in the mixer. Just, just drop the ball in somewhere around the penalty spot, and with the height and strength of these American players, one of them's going to knock it. Like, so those are kind of my two takes on Pulisic tactically and skill, as well as set pieces. What do you think's going on with him? I think a lot of it has to do with the club situation. He's got to get out of Chelsea. Uh, the the man needs consistent minutes. Period. I mean, you, you see, okay, all the talk is about Aronson right now, about how good he is, how much ground he's covering, all this stuff. Well, that's where Pulisic was with Borussia Dortmund a couple of years ago. Okay, the fact that he's sitting at, at Chelsea right now and he's he's maybe coming in as a substitute every once in a while, maybe gets the odd start here or there, that's the problem. That's the problem for Christian Pulisic. He needs more regular time. And I, I don't care if you're playing at Chelsea or you're playing at, you know, a Borussia Dortmund or you're playing at a, a Roma. Okay. That doesn't matter. Everton, you know, Everton, right. Uh, yeah. Mr. Everton over there, right. It's selfish. Um, That's just selfish. <laughs> Y'all are going down hard with Frank Lampard. Oh, it's, oh, I can't believe it. Man. I wish they got Jesse Marsh. Let's just go ahead and fire him now. I mean, just get over it. Um, the only consolation I have is, is Everton has never been relegated since English soccer, like made their divisions. Everton has always been, in the top flight. It's the only little glimmer of hope that I have for okay. them right now. <laughs> okay. Well, but anyway, anyway, hey, back, you know back what? To, 
Soccer Central. Let, let, let's see where Pulisic goes, <laughs> but he's got to go somewhere. He's got to go somewhere where he's getting playing time. Um, it is affecting his play because, yeah, I mean, coming into this World Cup qualifying window, he was considered the best player in CONCACAF, hands down. Now, not so, not anymore. He He's lost that mantle by far. Um, you know, so I, I think uh, he's got to get back into that 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 mixer every single week playing 90 minutes. And, uh, yeah, his, his free kicks are, you know, they're, they're not that good. I mean, he didn't have anything that was really dangerous either. Uh, there was nothing that was really in a great spot. I mean, he had one really close to the box. He had one pretty far out. Um, and the fact that he went on goal trying to surprise Milan Borjan, who's playing just unbelievably right now, was was silly. I mean, you've got a keeper that's in the form that he is. You don't try and surprise him. It's not gonna. It's not gonna work. You put that ball in there for Miles Robinson or for Chris Richards. Uh, you know, for somebody that can get in and smash that thing home. Um, Pulisic, yeah. I mean, DSO says it. You know, Pulisic should go back to Dortmund or somewhere in Germany. That always seems to be the ticket, right? In Germany, um, you know, the the Bundesliga. That's where. That's where the you know, the love for the USMNT guys is, right? And yeah. we're going to talk about George Bello going to the Bundesliga uh, later on in the show. But, uh, you know, hey, look, Pulisic, he, he's got to get back to the field straight up. I mean, that's that's the issue there with him. Good to see you, Mia Mendez. Thanks for jumping on. And uh, all right, what's the best team, Canada or USA? Right now, Canada, no doubt about it. Um, they are the better team over the USA. Now, in the long haul, I don't think Canada's quite there yet. But right now, yes, Canada is the better squad. But great question, Mia. Good to see you all the way from Porto. Um, let me uh, let me float a thought by you uh, about that, Mike, too, because I obviously Canada is the better team. They're atop the standings, and they have four points against the United States. So you look at that metrics. Yeah, Canada is a better team. On paper, top to bottom, one through twenty-three. I tend to lean to the United States. I think they have the talent top to bottom on the roster, but they're definitely not playing like it. So uh, I want to take, I want to ask your take on that, Mike, but also let's say both teams get to the world cup who matches up better against South American clubs against European clubs or African and Asian clubs. You know, I, I think the U S might have a little better edge in matchups, but at the same time, they can't beat Canada. So I, I don't know. What do you think about that? Look, CONCACAF is kind of a mess right now. And Jay Jardine, how the hell are you, man? Good to see you, Jay. Oh, what's um, up, Jay? You know, look, man, um, the United States talent-wise, 1 through 23, yes, they have the best team on paper. Canada and Mexico are right behind them as far as talent on paper. I think Mexico still edges Canada just a little bit as far as talent on paper. But here's something that Canada has that the United States men's national team and Mexico do not have. That's playing together as a team. It doesn't matter who's in the game, who's not in the game. It's next man up mentality. They're motivated. They're driven. They're excited to go out. They have a plan of attack. They have a backup plan. If that attack plan number one doesn't work, they've got the backup to go with. That's what Mexico and the United States are missing. They don't have that. Greg Berhalter does not have the fire and the drive necessary for a team like these young kids of the United States to do well outside of playing anybody but Mexico. Mexico, on the other hand, yeah. got Tata Martino, who is trying to play all of the old guys to try and just get just to get there. Like, we just got to do enough 
to get there, then maybe we'll mess with the little kids. Look, as far as the the World Cup itself, dude, there's so much time before that World Cup. There is, and that's a whole different world. It depends. What do you get drawn into? Are you playing, you know, Egypt and, you know, maybe Italy and, you know, Colombia? Or are you playing against the Netherlands and, you know, Ghana and, I don't know, another, you know, Spain? I was going to say, which one of those is the hard group and which one of those but is like the easy group? Like, where, you going? Where, where the group is and, and how you right. get drawn. Right. Um, now, and, and, and two, do I expect anything out of this World Cup for Canada? Absolutely not. Am I now? I will say yes. They're there. They're it, it, they're in. They're going to Qatar. Book your damn flights if you want to go for Canada, yeah. United States. The Mexico, games they're left. like right there. I mean, it, barring a huge collapse, they're both in, right? But look, in the World Cup itself, dude, it, it's a whole different story. <laughs> That's you're not playing against El Salvador and Honduras on a shitty pitch in San Pedro Sula. All right, you're playing on a very nice pitch against the best players in the world. So it's going to be, it's a totally different story. I, I can't even get into who I think would do well in the World Cup. Look, I mean, if you want to measure it as like yeah. a, a benchmark, US and Canada, maybe getting to the quarterfinals, that's a great World Cup. If Canada gets out of the group, fantastic. If they don't, whatever, it is what yeah. it is. But I, I agree with you. I think given given expectations coming into this qualifying cycle, yeah, Isaiah, the ombudsman. Isaiah, there, you know, I'm box. talking about Mexico having their youngsters play because all the Mexicans are going nuts that they want all the young kids playing. So <laughs> I did say that. I did say that. Though. Yeah, yeah. Context here, everybody. Context. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I mean, expectations going into qualifying was qualify. And then – and, and that was it. it. Our expectations were go into the qualifying window, blow out every team 5 nothing, and then roll through the World Cup group stage. Those were not expectations. So I think everyone needs to think back and remember, we didn't make the 2018 World Cup. The only person who has played who played in 2018 was Christian Pulisic, I, I believe. Um, maybe Kellen Acosta? I don't think he got any call-ups there. Like, I'm trying to think of some of these older guys. Um and yeah, older guys, 27, 28, 29, maybe. Right. Like I I maybe legit played in in some qualifiers previously. I don't know. But like none of these guys have any World Cup qualifying experience, first of all. Uh, and and second of all, same for Canada. Like there's no qualifying experience. They haven't gotten to, to the hex or, or now the octagonal and in how many cycles. And the expectations were just get to the group stage. So for, for American fans and Canadian fans to be like, we're going to the quarterfinals of the World Cup finals, that completely unreasonable expectations as of the beginning of qualifying. Now, now, if you're Canada, you might be thinking, hey, maybe we got a chance. We get some favorable matchups. We, we play out of our minds in that first knockout game. Maybe we get to the quarterfinals. But again, Canada is prepping for 2026. The United States is prepping for 2026. Obviously, you qualify, but I don't have any other expectations out of that. And that's kind of how I was looking at it, big picture. And unfortunately, that's how Greg Berhalter is looking at it, big picture, right? Like, he's like, all I got to do is qualify. And, and we've met our goals. And I think back as a Chicago Bears fan to the 2006 Super Bowl, Lovey Smith, the coach, came out and said, our expectation was to get to the Super Bowl. Maybe we should have expected to win it. Like, just the, the vocabulary and the mentality of it, Right. Like, if the United States is saying we just need to qualify, 
well, then you're going to do the bare minimum to qualify. And that bare minimum is beating El Salvador 1-0, losing to Canada. They were down to Honduras before surging back and knocking four goals in. Like, that's what these minimum expectations are. But should we have higher expectations for these squads, Mike? Should we be expecting the U.S. to beat every team in CONCACAF, maybe with one or two exceptions, by three goals? Like, should we be expecting Canada to roll over Guatemala, El Salvador, and Panama like we've seen the U.S. and, and Mexico do in the past? What do you think? Uh, when it comes when it comes to the United States, yes, absolutely. Um, the fact this that current they, roster, yes, this current roster, yes, they should be rolling okay. over everybody, and I think they would okay. if they had their heads right. I've said it from back. I, I made that call before the uh, before the Nations League final. I said, look, this team, this is the day that United States takes over the Concacaf region. They will beat Mexico in the Nations League final, and from this point forward, they own. Concacaf, they have that kind of talent. That much. You look at this can this Canada team. Yeah, they've got Davies. Yeah, they've got Jonathan David. Yeah, they've got a stocky who's not really a young buck anymore. But you know they don't have a lot of these seventeen through twenty one year old guys that are tearing it up in Europe. They've got a few of them, but they play very well together as a team. So yes, for the United States, I expect them to roll through Concacaf, no doubt about it, against Canada. Um, maybe, you know, uh, obviously they're having a hard time with it, but the only team the U S gets up for is Mexico. That's it. When they play El Salvador, when they play Honduras, when they play Canada, they don't play their game. They're like, Oh, we got this dude. I, excuse me. I play at Chelsea. We're going to win this game. No problem. Well, I don't, no think, problem. I don't think Pulisic has that attitude after Kuba, but well, I understand the right. point. You're you making. know, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, that it's in their Excuse me. Do you know who I am? I play for this team. No, that doesn't work when you're playing in CONCACAF. Just doesn't right. work. So, I, I don't know. I think uh, you know for for the U.S. they should be able to they should be able to run through this this gauntlet no problem. For Canada, it's a surprise. It's 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 it's, it's such excitement because remember this team wouldn't even be there. This team would not even be in the question if COVID had not happened. Remember. CONCACAF switched to the FIFA rankings for the Hex. Canada wouldn't have qualified. Remember when we did our first live ever with Sons of a Pitch Soccer, when Canada beat the United States 2-0 and we got like copyrighted because we were showing the game itself. <laughs> that, wow, those were the days. Look, that, uh, you know, that was that was Canada needed that. Then they had to beat the U.S. again. Then they had to beat somebody else and had to have like El Salvador lose four straight games or something just to get into the Hex. Thank God right. for COVID to say, for from a Canada perspective, <laughs> to say, hey, you know, we're, we're going to redraw this all and, and actually do the World Cup qualifiers the way they should be, where you actually play all of the teams and the best teams get through based off of matches, not computer formulas in the FIFA rankings. So, um, you know, remember, this was, I mean, yeah. I remember the best live we ever did on this channel was Suriname against Canada here in Chicago. And that was, you know, that was uh, a game where if Canada loses that game to Suriname, they're not into the the Ocho, the Octo, whatever. Then they had to go to Haiti, win that two-leg game there. So I think, uh, you know, for, for Canada, their whole focus was 2026. But they said, hey, we've got a shot here to get to 2022. We want to get there. We want to make that our goal. And they were able to. And uh, now they're, they're proving it left and right by saying, hey, uh, we're going to go. 
to the U.S., we're going to get the draw. We're going to go to the Azteca and get the draw. We're going to play Mexico and the United States at home and take the full three points against both of them. That's yep. pretty impressive. Uh, this team is is flying right now, and uh, and the United States maybe they should look no further than across the sideline and say uh, Greg Berhalter should call John Herdman and be like, uh, dude, what are you doing to get these guys to play like this? Because yeah. I need to know. Yeah, I've heard people say their relationship is really good, and then I've heard critics say they're too friendly with each other, and Berhalter needs to stop stop playing nice and and start looking how he can beat them or emulate their their positive qualities. Um, but but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. We, we it starts from the management level because it's a mentality thing. There's no doubt both of these teams are extremely talented. Herdman's got Canada playing with the right mentality and the right outlook. Uh, you know, the whole thing is draw on the road and win at home. Well, the U.S. is like that's the minimum by win one nothing, not two nothing, three nothing. And I love Isaiah Paskin's comment that he just threw up there. How about not letting people back pass, or how about letting people not back pass? That's that's perfect. That that's perfect. Um, because now we're breaking down into the tactics. Where, but here's I want to pick your brain on this. I've been having this thought, Mike. And actually, for everyone out there, I I hope you'll subscribe to my YouTube channel. Uh wife children house on on youtube because i'm putting together a video where i i levy like criminal charges against greg, greg berhalter and i'm gonna have a defend like an attorney bit here and like try to defend him and one of the things is canada has, has been bunkering and countering right they've been they, they played a low block against the united states or they play a mid block with five midfielders and, and then they look to counter attack typically you see that on teams who are less talented and are conceding we are not as talented as our opponent. Mike, is that the case with Canada? Or is it a good, just good tactics to say, come at us, United States. You can't break down a defense. You haven't scored a lot of goals this whole qualifying. So we'll just sit back and wait to counter with Jonathan David and Kyle Aaron. Yeah, I mean, it's brilliant. It's brilliant when you look at it, especially when you know where the weakness is for the United States men's national team. What's the goal scoring? The striker position, period. That's it. So, all right, you as long as you deal with those wings, you play that, and that's where they played the five at the back, even though the two wings were sometimes moved higher up the pitch. And especially when Alfonso Davies is is in there, he's going to go a lot more further forward than Sam Atacube, who, by the way, Sam Atacube, what a freaking game, man. He was man (laughs) of the match in that game before he scored the, the icing goal. Right. When that that was it, when when he scored that second goal, obviously, that was when we knew it was officially over. But even before that, I'm like, dude, Samuel Atacube, holy crap, the Whitecaps, man, that's a Whitecaps product now playing in Turkey. But uh, impressive game from him. Dude, what what do you I mean, why wouldn't you? You see a team that is just loaded at the back. They're loaded in the midfield. Great midfield. They've got unbelievable wingers, but they don't have that final piece. That's striker. Right. Why not load up against those wing play against those wing players and go for the counter? I mean, that's a beautiful, beautiful game plan from Herdman. And uh, you know, it, it worked. It worked right very well, especially when you've got a keeper like Borion who is just in form as in form oh, yeah. can get. Uh, you know, and, and some of these center backs. I mean, dude, Kamal Miller, come on, dude. He he hasn't played this great in a long time. 
Same thing. Oh my gosh. You know, I, first of all, I thought Kamal Miller should have had at least five yellow cards in, in, well, in that game. Cesar yeah. <laughs> Ramos definitely let them play. The only saving grace was that it was for both sides. It was not, there was no like, oh, Canada, you can go ahead and tackle the hell out of the United States, but U.S., if you touch Canada, forget it. It was very, very even. There were you know, multiple times when I'm like, dude, Canada should have gotten a yellow there. You did the same thing with the United States. So, yeah, there were a couple tackles on Pulisic where they were coming in and just going for his shins, not even trying to play the ball. Um, persistent infringement against Pulisic can be called almost every CONCACAF game ever. Um, Canada definitely came in with a physical mindset. I, you know, I wanted to say the referee let Canada go a little, a little further earlier but that was because they were the they were being the ones that were aggressive right so so they were getting away with it and then he kind of leveled it off and was calling it both ways because the, the number of fouls i think was pretty even uh w- when all was said and done but i mean there were a couple tackles i'm like dude that's that's a clear yellow did they even did they even pull a yellow i think we saw one yeah. one yellow card yeah it wasn't a lot of yellow it was one or two um but yeah it was uh... i don't know i stopped watching at the 65th minute i had dinner plans <laughs> I'll, I'll be is, honest, man. Sad, man. And I don't that, think that I'm this is very <laughs> sad, Nick. Very yeah. sad. I, I had birthday plans, so I didn't even get to watch it live. So there's that, right? Oh, um, no. Anyway, so, what, what was Height's comment? Do you want to get into that, yeah. or do you want to move on? So USA need to find a striker and keep someone a striker. They can't keep switching. I completely agree, Height Hager. This is something where you know okay, it, who? it's what's that? I mean, who Dempsey's retired? Who who you want to pull? <laughs> Dude, I mean, we were still talking about Josie Altidore at the beginning of this cycle. Like, that's how bad their their striker pool is. Well, that's that dude. They've got to put somebody in there and stick with them. Whether it's a Josh Sargent, whether it's a you know Ricardo Pepe, whether it's a Jossie Zardes, can put them out there and leave them out there. Don't pull them back. Don't put Ferreira in one game, Pepe in another, Zardes in another. This guy thirty minutes. This guy sixty minutes. This no. Put somebody up there. I don't care who it is. And, you know, Isaiah's like, Sergeant, no. Now, look, I wouldn't put Sergeant as the striker either. Personally, I would put Ricardo Pepe. But you got to put somebody in there and give them a little bit of confidence to say, this is your fucking job. Make it happen. Yeah, but that you look back. Look back for the past year. Josh Sergeant had three or four games starting for the U.S., did not produce. Daryl DK had a few games starting, did not produce. Uh, Ricardo Pepe was the only one who produced and did not get the start against Canada because he was a terrible matchup. Again, now we're starting to parse tactics with, with overarching philosophy and Greg Berhalter maybe overthinking things and getting too cute. I like wanting consistency, but you can't have a consistently bad striker. So which which is why he tried putting in Zardis because Zardis is a little bigger than Pepe, I think, or at least is more used to the physical play. Pepe, they've been saying he's been getting out muscled over at Augsburg. Like he's working his tail off. He's in the right spots, but he's just getting a little, getting out, out muscled by it. He just hasn't developed yet. The kid's still a teenager, right? So who else? You want, you want to put Jordan Morris at center forward? He'll get lost. He'll trip over his own two feet. He needs right. to play on the wing. Like, Let's let's see who else. Here, here's where I, I will give some argument here. Jordan Pifak and Yokanini, uh, Nicholas Yokanini. Like those those guys haven't really broken into it, but they haven't gotten. But there hasn't been enough games. Like we've been working through the entire player pool to this point. 
and nobody stepped up. So I keep, we need a forward, and that's not on Berhalter. That's not on anybody. We don't have a forward. It's just not there. It's like yeah, the Chicago man. Bears again. We don't have a quarterback. Look, we finally got one, I hope. Pepe, Pepe has stepped up. All right? He stepped up in that last window. He did well. Is he lighting it on fire? No. Is he doing better than the other guys? Absolutely. Same thing. I mean, when you look at, uh, you know, this a new Wiseman's comment, starting Zardis over Pepe pissed me off. Um, you know, I, I thought I thought about this, and my initial reaction was this game's going to be scrappy. And that's the only reason why I could think that Burhalter was like, you know what, Zardes needs to get in there. Because Zardes plays scrappy. He scores scrappy, crappy goals. That's what he does. <laughs> so you're thinking, okay, it's it's 18 Fahrenheit outside. You know, it's it's on a rock field. There's the ball's bouncing all over the place. Throw Zardes in and say, here's your chance, young man. Get at it. So I don't know. I uh, you know, I, I'm thinking I thought maybe okay, there was a reason for it, but again, it was like, dude. This is, you know, this, you gotta, what are you thinking, Greg? What are you thinking? Put, put in Pep, let him ride, man. He just went to Augsburg. I get he's going through a transition and everything. Let him ride, man. Let him go. Say this, this is your team. You're, how old is he? 18, 19 years old. He's the one that stepped up the most out of the group. Let him have it. That's where I stand. All right, that's all fair points around, Mike. We could debate the striker pool for another two hours, I'm sure. <laughs> so, all right, so let, let, let's take a short, short break here to uh, for the, the podcast sponsor break on the podcast here, and uh, then we'll jump back in for uh, to talk a little bit about the Canadian men's national team and uh, and some MLS notes as well. Be right back, guys. This episode of Sons of a Pitch, an American soccer podcast, brought to you by Nice premium Iceland pure spring water. Also by Donovan Food Brokerage, a sales and marketing firm focused on food service sales in the Midwest. And lastly, by Skira, Icelandic spring water available at your local 7-Eleven. All right, guys, back at it here. Oh my God, my Toronto Sports Insider stuff showing up everywhere over here. Because I've got like six different streams running on Toronto Sports Insider as well. Hey, there's uh, a lot of USMNT fans that are ha- are looking forward to basketball season. <laughs> They're like, "What the hell's going on here?" <laughs> um, anyways, let's let let's talk about this Canadian men's national team um, because it, honestly, they deserve it. I mean, a victory like that over the USA, uh, the fact that they've taken eight out of a possible twelve points against the United States and Mexico in this window. They're the only team that's undefeated in this CONCACAF, Ocho, Octo, whatever. Um, is there – what are your thoughts as far as uh, as Canada finishing this out undefeated? I don't know if, they, if, if they'll finish it out undefeated. Like, I, I just think as an odds gambling type of thing, hey, this is your picks and predictions maybe, Mike. Here's your prop bet. Canada goes undefeated. I, I mean, I think you, you just play the odds that they're, they're going to lose at some point. But, like, at this point, to who? Like, they've already, you know, on paper, the two hardest teams are are the U.S. and Mexico, and they've drawn away to those games and won their home games. So, I don't know. I, maybe they go down to Jamaica and, and just play all their backups just to get them some experience and, and lose a game like that. Or I, I forget who their their last game is. If, if Canada's locked up the number one spot in CONCACAF, then, yeah, may, maybe they drop the game there. So that, that would be the only scenario I can see Canada not walking away undefeated because, man, 
they're playing great. They've got the mentality. They've got the talent. They're going to get their two best, two of their best players back. They're definitely their best player in Alfonso Davies uh, for, for the final window and just, you know, put the nail in the coffin on, on qualifying. So Canada has done everything right. And I, I kind of compare it to the United States in 86 to 90, knowing we were going to host the 94 World Cup, didn't qualify for 86, went to 90 in Italy, got our butts handed to us, and then showed up in 94 and actually played respectable and got out of the group stage. So I see Canada was kind of following that model, maybe not intentionally, but because they were able to pull all this talent together, because they these guys have been playing overseas and in the MLS and Herdman was the perfect guy to meld it together, they're a little ahead of schedule. So that's kind of my big picture take on Canada. My game-to-game -game takes on Canada is they are just sound tactically, and they, like you said, Mike, they know how to play together. They definitely work that counterattack to near perfection, and they're getting the most out of their players. They they are what the U.S. should have been doing at this point. Is is Burhalter getting more out of his team, right? Like he used to do with Columbus. Like they never had the most talented team in the MLS, but somehow he won MLS Cup. Burhalter is not getting the most out of his American players. Canada is getting the most out of Canada. I just hope they don't regress to the mean during the actual World Cup. And that's, that's my big and small take on, on Canada, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, for, for Canada, look, they're, uh, you know, they are, uh, they're rolling right now. I expect them to finish this undefeated. Um, I, I can't see a team that's going to, you know, that, that's at least that's going to beat them. I, I can see maybe the draw happening in a game against El Salvador or a game in Panama kind of deal. But yeah, it's uh, you know the Canada's just rolling right now. It is they they look great, and uh, you know then then the question is, how do they do in Qatar? Where does you know what do you, what do you do in the build up there? Uh, right. But overall, with the standings, I mean Canada sitting at twenty two points, USA and Mexico sitting at eighteen points. Um, they've got uh, Panama at seventeen, right below them. And then there's Costa Rica, the only other team that really has even a fighting chance of getting that fourth spot, maybe even into third, um, you know, coming coming up and passing a USA or a Mexico, God forbid. Um, so overall, I think uh, you know we're, we're going to see we're going to see the U.S., Mexico, and Canada, and then we've got one more team that can get in to the picture, whether that's Panama or Costa Rica. I think that, uh, you know, kind of comes down to these last few games, but United States is owning it. What, what's that? Uh, I don't know. My wallet. Hey, real quick, brother, while you're, while you're distracted yeah. there, um, we're getting some updates in the comment section here where the, I'm being corrected that Greg Berhalter never did win MLS cup uh, with Columbus. He won it as a player with the galaxy and I'm trying to figure out who won uh, the uh, like who was the coach for that ML for that uh, Columbus crew team that won the cup? So anyway, I'm gonna look into that. You get right back to well, your, your. I think I think it was Ziggy Schmidt. I think it, it was Ziggy Schmidt. Schmidt. Yeah, Ziggy All right. Schmidt. So well, uh, it, we got Tio Luis ended up winning. I think it, then what was it here? Yeah, he never won anything with Columbus, but he had them playing better than anyone thought they should be playing. I'll I'll, my, I'll leave that point <laughs> there. I'm pretty confident in that point. <laughs> yeah. No. He. Uh, uh, he had Columbus playing well. Let's let's put it that way. But yeah, he, he's never. It's not like the guy was just dom, a dominant MLS coach. I mean, he's a good coach. He has he has some good ideas, but I don't know if he's got the guys uh, that that can do it. So um, that's you know, 
that's where I'm at with that. Um, looking ahead to the game for any predictions, Nick, as far as U.S. going up against Honduras in St. Paul, there is talk that the game will get moved from Allianz Field to U.S. Bank Stadium where the Vikings play because that's a dome. Um, and supposedly it's going to be like negative eight or negative 10. Um, you're going to get frostbite within 20 minutes or something like that, playing that game outside. So there's talk that they may move it inside to uh, U.S. Bank Stadium there. My thoughts on that game, I think the United States comes out and just beats the living pulp out of Honduras. I think Honduras doesn't care. They're out of it. They know they're officially mathematically eliminated at this point. They're just going there and like, all right, let's just get this done, especially if it's outside in the cold. Um, they're just going to be like, screw it. Y'all just do your thing. We're just here to run around and stay warm. I, You know, I, that's never the case with CONCACAF, though, Mike. You know Honduras is going to come out and try to do something. Even if it's not win, they're going to try to make a statement and either hack a bunch of guys or um, do something stupid or maybe try to steal a cheap goal. These guys have too much pride to, to just kind of mail it in, I think, and, and from what I've seen with CONCACAF. But at the same time, the U.S. needs a bounce-back game. Honduras is practically eliminated, I think, and – I, I, but I, but here's the, here's, I want to say like USA three to one or two nothing or something like that, but we can't score goals. <laughs> is this going to be another one, one or one, nothing USA game? Like, I don't know. Are we going to have to rely on a defender? Like is, is uh, miles Robinson or Walker Zimmerman going to put a header in off of a terrible corner? And like, that's how we're going to win in the 84th minute. Like, I don't want to talk about that. Like, I don't want to make predictions. Because I don't. that makes me think about what terrible things can happen. <laughs> 2-1 U.S. I don't know if I had to pick. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm going. I'm going big time, man. I'm going big time. The U.S. is going to come out. I mean, their backs are against the wall, man. If they have any fight left in them, they're, they're going to come out and just blow it up. I mean, that's, that's, that's at least where I stand. I mean, if, if they don't, then... God, please. Um, I, I really hope that, I mean, honestly, I hope they even qualify. If they can't come out and beat the worst team in the region by far in Honduras, yeah. um, then maybe, maybe we start talking about 2018 collapse all over again. And, and I don't want to, I don't want even want to talk about that right now um, yeah. because that that's scary stuff, but uh, look, they should win this game at least, at least, Three nothing, if not better, um, just completely blow them out. That's that's where I'm at. All right, I, I certainly hope you're right. I really hope you're right. <laughs> I hope I'm right as well. And and as a reminder, guys, we will be, uh, you know, we will be live for uh, for that one. So I've got uh, the live stream reactions coming up for the United States against Honduras, as well as I'll probably do the same thing I did last time as soon as. This game ends. This one starts at 6.30 Central. The Canada and El Salvador game is at 8 o'clock Central. So uh, we'll probably just run the stream straight through, and instead of shutting it down, we'll just let it ride through. Um, change the thumbnail, change change the title, and, uh, and go on about it. But those are the games we'll be live for on Wednesday night, the 2nd. It's going to be a lot of good, a uh, lot of good action going there. I'm hoping the U.S. can get it done, and, and Canada against El Salvador – I think they're going to come out and just blow the doors off El Salvador as well. They know that if they get three points in that game, it's officially over. Not officially, officially, but basically officially over. So um, they, I think if this was the you know, the first game, they really proved something against Honduras. 
to go out there and say, we've got this. We're not the old Canada of the past where we go down to Central America and bad things happen. They went down to Honduras. They did what they needed to do. I think they'll do it again in uh, in El Salvador for sure. All right. So now let's talk. Let's move this over to a little bit of the MLS news and notes. Not a ton of news and notes here, but I want to just go through a couple uh, a couple little pieces here and then a big show announcement. Uh, changing things up a little bit here at Sons of a Pitch Soccer Central. Uh, all right. So MLS news and notes. First up, Douglas Costa. To the LA Galaxy is apparently done. Um, dude, what the hell are they thinking? <laughs> Douglas Costa, great name, great resume as far as club teams go. Only eight goals since 2017. He's playing for Gremio in Serie A of the Brazil League, and he's only scored two goals. Thoughts? Well, when I first heard the name, I'm like, wait, Diego Costa, the former Chelsea striker? I was like, what? Because yeah. that would seem like something that LAFC would do right now. But anyway, forget Diego Costa. But Douglas Costa, I didn't, I didn't know much about him. Um, but, like, I just quickly pulled him up here. Like, he's 31 years old. He's on loan from Juventus to Gremio, like you said, Mike, playing in the uh, Brazilian league there. But he's not scoring goals. What's it, it, Why would you bring this guy in if you can't score goals? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Unless, unless they think they're going to get a really good deal on it. Like, But is he a DP? Is he a TAM level? Is he, he on a free? A DP. Like, he's a DP? Why are you wasting a DP on a 31-year-old who can't score goals? Again, I'm always the optimist, but, man, LAFC just ah, doesn't make sense. No. Or, I'm sorry, Galaxy. No. Galaxy. Galaxy. It doesn't make sense to the Galaxy. Like, I mean, I, I don't is, think this guy's this a, a, a is, uh, this is Greg Vanny. Like, I don't think this Greg is Greg Vanny's been guy. doing up a 2017 TFC squad and uh, adding Douglas Costa on the wing. I mean, you've got you've got another DP winger, right? Okay, you've got Kevin Cabral. Um, you got Chicharito as a forward spot. What are you thinking? I mean, I, I just I, I don't know. Maybe they know something I don't. Um, but this is, uh, this to me is a very, very bad signing. Um, there's no form there and I get it. You want to find guys. And that was kind of what Vanny rode to success in Toronto, right? He found Victor Vasquez who had signed for Cruz Azul, did absolutely nothing with Cruz Azul, but he was a really strong player, had a good background. Um, I get that. You can get him in, you can get him on a cheap transfer fee. You can, you can get him in with a little bit lower of a salary, whatever, but this signing just makes absolutely no sense to me. I mean, why why would you bring in a guy who is in horrible form, who has not scored a bunch, when you've got other teams in the league like Toronto FC that are bringing in Lorenzo Insigne, one of the best players in the world, to the team? Okay, yeah, it's a big name, but I just it makes no sense to me whatsoever why you know why they would why would they would bring this in? I mean, this is this is a ridiculous signing to me. I don't think it's going to work out. Um, and, and Rocky says it, there you go. Uh, you know, Chicharito needs a DP number 10 to feed him. Right. They, they need a better number 10. I mean, Victor Vasquez is that number 10 for the galaxy. However, he can't play every single game all season long. He's too old. He's still got talent. He can still feed Chicharito, but they need to do a little bit better there. Um, you know, East super says we're overloaded in wingers, right? I mean, we need a cam, right? What, what, what's, where uh, this is a head scratcher for me for Greg Vanny because I, I love Greg Vanny. I think he's yeah. a hell of a coach. Uh, but I just, I don't know what, uh, you know, 
what he's thinking with 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 this signing. It really really doesn't make any sense. Francisco's DJ says retirement league. Well, when you make a signing like this, yes, it it, it kind of seems like a retirement league, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the only thing I can I think of is that this deal was in the works prior to Vanny coming in, and they're like, "Hey, he plays for Brazil. Let's sign him." Like that's the only thing I can think of. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that's I, I don't know either. I don't know. All right, couple moves out. Okay, so more MLS youngsters going out to Europe. Um, a few big time names. I mean, Austin Trusty to Arsenal. Arsenal. Now, I get the whole Cronky connection, right? He owns the the Rapids. He owns Arsenal, so move him over there. But is Austin Trusty going to get any minutes at Arsenal? I mean, this is a horrible. I think this is a bad move. I don't like it. Go to go, maybe he'll get loaned out somewhere. But what are they? What are they thinking with that? I mean, I love to see the young talent moving out of the league. That's what MLS is. Even though we're bringing in better players, the quality is getting better. It's still a selling league, especially with these youngsters. The goal is, even for the kids that are 14, 15 years old right now, they want to go to Europe. They don't want to spend their career in MLS. I like the fact that he's going to a decent-sized club. I like the fact that he's getting that shot in Europe, but I'm a little bit concerned that, you know, the same type of deal with Matt Turner, right? I mean, you're you're not going to get any minutes there. So I'm not sure about that. Well, the trusty deal, he's signing with Arsenal, but he won't actually move until the summer transfer window. Um, So he'll be on loan with the Rapids until july so he's going to get time to play with colorado he's 23 years old so he's going to start competing for a starting spot at arsenal i don't know arsenal as a club i don't know what kind of players they're looking for and i don't know how the roster is currently constructed all i know is that they are also not where they want to be in the premier league pecking order like arsenal fans and organizationally and, and players who go to arsenal they they want to be top four they want to be playing champions league Soccer, football, uh, you know, finishing top four or five in the Premier League, they're not there. You know, so is Trusty going to come and maybe push some of their better, bigger name players to to get better? I, I That could be the reason they bring them in. Or, Mike, maybe it's just a total money move. You know, I, I haven't seen the numbers, but I imagine he comes into Arsenal. They can loan him out. Uh, they're loaning him back to Colorado. If he has some decent performances and say some of their domestic cup games, then maybe they sell him on, make a few million off of, off of that sale. It could just be an asset type of move. Um, or Hey, maybe they're, they Matt Turner needed a roommate and they figured, all right, we'll sign another American. Let's bring him over. So that's kind of my take on trusty. I think it's a really good move for him. He's been playing really well for Colorado came up in that Philadelphia system. So he, you know, he's a solid player mentally now it's just developing him uh tactically and physically yeah yeah i i, I agree um well i'm thinking just a money move you know with, with the owner being the same it's it's just some some type of you know yeah run there i, um, I wonder what the sell-on fee for colorado is yeah <laughs> right right uh a couple uh couple other players to go out we've got uh we've got theo bear to scotland from vancouver um, going to St. Johnston FC, Theo Bear looked impressive, looked like a good young talent. Um, he's not going to get any minutes in Vancouver, so I guess moving him over there, that's you know that's the way to go. Uh, Bello to the Bundesliga, Armenia Bellafield. Bellafeld, I don't even know how to say it. Um, but George Bello going over to the Bundesliga, good move. Um, Atlanta, we're talking about too with Atlanta. Uh, Barco, gone. He's down to River Plate now. Um what a bad piece of business there for Atlanta with Ezekiel yeah. Barco. I mean, that's that's like 
it was funny because it, we kind of went into this trend of, oh, well, we're bringing in these young guys. Instead of going straight to Europe, they're going to come to MLS first and build themselves up even more like Miguel Elmeron. And this was the complete exact opposite. Came to MLS, went downhill. Now, all of a sudden, we're talking about that that buy clause in the loan deal is like $7 million. They paid fifteen for them. It's a bad piece of business by Atlanta. Uh, but you're not going to hit on all of your, your moves, right, your transfers. At the right. time, it looked like a great move. It just didn't pan out. Um, but Bello to the Bundesliga, Bello's got some talent, man. I mean, I think he can push for uh, – I think he can push for one of those starting spots with the USMNT – with Anthony Robinson, Dest, I mean, do you think he can play the wings enough better than that? I mean, one I, day? I don't know. I Maybe it's just because I haven't studied enough George Bello uh, or read up enough. I just – he doesn't pass my eye test yet. Again, have I been watching him enough? Probably not. I just hope he's not – like, because he got built up so much coming up through the U.S. youth uh, national teams that – okay, great, he's just going to filter right on up and it's going to work out for it. I hope that's not the case with Bell. I really hope that he can develop a lot more going over to the Bundesliga, and that team's going to need him. Um, Arminia is going to need him. They're sitting in 14th right now out of the 18-team Bundesliga. They have a negative six goal differential. So they there's three teams ahead of them that still have like double-digit negative goal differentials and are ahead of them in the standings. So they definitely need some help. Uh, and an attacking wing back like Bello could give it to him. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. Maybe hopefully it's not just all the rage of of buying American defenders right now by by the Bundesliga teams. And, and really quick about um, the move from why can't I even remember his name Theo Bear to the yeah. Scottish team St Johnstone. They're last in the Premiership in the Scottish Premiership. They are sitting 12th out of 12, and they are two points. From the next team, and they are if the bottom three get relegated, they need 10 more points to get out of the relegation zone. So he's got an uphill battle. So I wonder if St. Johnson is taking a flyer on him and, and seeing this feeds into the discussion, though. Like, is MLS as good as Scott as the Scottish Premier League? I, I don't think New York, New England, Portland, you know, are as good as Rangers and Celtic. But definitely Vancouver's better than St. Johnstone. <laughs> so so that, that, that feeds more of the, the Scottish Premier MLS comparisons here um, if Theo Blair goes over there and, and brings up out of relegation. But those are just kind of my comments on that, Mike, some things I'd like to see. And uh, you know what? It's, it's just movement. It's just movement, and it's great to see these guys getting opportunities elsewhere if they can't do it with their MLS club. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we haven't even really touched on Kevin Paredes to Wolfsburg. Um, you know, seems like a, a yeah. good move. Um, lots of talent for that young man. I think, uh, you know, he's still got a lot of development to do, but, uh, you know, could, could be a great move for him for DC United with that $7 million transfer fee. Uh, but that's the bottom line is MLS is still a growing league. You're getting that young talent and moving them over to England, to Scotland, to Italy, to Argentina, you're moving them all over the world. And that's, you know, that is part of the, the of the progression of MLS as a league. Uh, this team, yeah. this league is not going to turn into the best league in the world overnight. It's not like we're going to wake up in 2023 and go, wow, MLS, much better than the Premier League. Way better. Not going to happen, right? So it takes time. It's a process. This league is still young. 
I like the direction of building up these young kids and sending them overseas. And, uh, you know, they can play for their national teams. National teams get better. They start doing more damage in the World Cup and uh, and and things start to look up and, uh, you know, the, get rid of the salary cap. And then all of a sudden we're there. But hey, there you go. There that's you go. for a whole another segment as far as the salary cap goes. Last thing on the docket tonight, guys, we've got a big announcement here on Sons of a Pitch Soccer Central. So uh, going forward, going forward, we're going to start changing things up with the regular podcast episode. So this is the last regular podcast episode of Sons of a Pitch, an American soccer podcast. No longer going to be doing the recordings on Monday night. Going to be doing a recording on Mondays after all the games, doing a recap of the games. Um I got to focus on these live stream reactions. That's what's bringing the revenue in, guys, not these podcast episodes. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be utilizing that time for live stream reactions. My goal is to do two a week of lives. The rest of the time I can work on things, upload videos during the day when, uh, you know, when I'm not having to record and, uh, you know, my family's upstairs going to bed and all that kind of stuff. So uh, once the MLS season starts, I'm going to be recording and uploading a weekly recap of all the games that I'll record that I'll just end up uh, uploading on Monday night and releasing on Monday night. So uh, that's kind of the plan. Uh, I'll still release the audio of those recordings to your favorite podcatchers. So if you're listening on the podcast side, um, don't stop. We'll still be bringing those to you come February 28th, 20th, 28th, or, you know, March 1st, depending on uh, that, whatever day that Monday is. But uh, also, you know, look, it, it's, even though things are changing here with the podcast episodes and all that kind of stuff, there's going to be more content coming to YouTube, right? So we're going to have more game recaps. Going to still be doing picks and predictions. Going to be doing these live stream reactions as well. The FIFA videos, we'll be adding a lot of other content as well. Look out for a CCL preview coming up probably in the next week or so would be my guess before CCL starts. And then, of course, we'll do our MLS season preview. So lots of content coming here, but the announcement is, no longer doing our regular podcast episodes. It's just getting to be too hard to uh, to, to take a night from the family um, for a podcast episode where we're getting, you know, 100 views or something like that. I, I, I'm i pulling 100 views on, on a stream on TSI in, in 30 minutes. There's no sense in, uh, in, in losing a night of my life with the kids and whatnot for that. So, uh, look, you guys, you can still ask your questions, send me an information, I'll talk, you know, I'll, I'll interact and whatnot in those episodes. But that's where we are going forward here with this. So, uh, Nick, and again, man, guys, check out Nick's channel. Nick has got lots of good content over there. This is how it started, man, right here. Me and him, this is it. And uh, you know what? It's continuing on through two different channels now. And uh, go make sure to subscribe. The link is in the description for Nick's channel. Uh, lots of good USMNT content, even though they suck. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, the content is great. The subject matter might not be, but the content is good. <laughs> right? There you go. There you go. So with that, guys, we're signing off. And uh, we'll be back again on Wednesday night with the United States against Honduras. And then right after that game ends, we'll jump into the El Salvador against Canada game. Lots of good stuff here. And uh, there you go, man. It's been a hell of a ride, Nick. Thank you for, uh, for, for doing this with me, man, and doing these podcasts and whatnot. And uh, if it hasn't happened through five seasons, it ain't going to happen now. So uh, we're going to move on to uh, better and brighter days here with SOP. Hey, man. Best of luck to, to the show, to the entire brand, to you. Like, 
to think it all started over the cubicle wall. I, I do we have story time? Could we do story time real quick? How this started for all the new listeners? Absolutely. Mike and I used to work together, and our our cubicles were right next to each other. So one day I walked by and I just kind of glanced over, and he had a Toronto FC scarf hanging in his cubicle wall. And I was like, "Oh, hey, that's cool." And like, we're both like, do, do we acknowledge that that we like soccer to each other? Is that weird? Like, if if I said, "Hey, I like," do you watch MLS? Like, do, do you watch MLS? Like, it was one of those weird kind of like underground things, and and I kind of mentioned it, and and that's really exactly how it started. Oh, you, you follow soccer? I was like, yeah. Do you? And it, we kind of got into it, and um, and from the cubicle wall, so we didn't get fired for wasting time talking soccer. We moved it into my garage and to Mike's trailer for the podcast, and and now here we are. Gosh, yeah, almost five years later. So um, obviously, we wouldn't be here without the listeners and the viewers and everyone else who's tuned in and supported us and donated and sponsored. Uh, but yeah, that's how it started. Cubicle walls at the office and Mike's TFC scarf. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, man. You know, it's it's been fun. It just unfortunately the 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 podcast itself just isn't isn't you know pulling in the revenue that I can pull in on a live. Um, so you know that's kind of the the thought process here. We got two nights a week to spend down here instead of with the family. And uh, still, look at this. Already getting uh, you know getting yelled at from the family. This this is still happening. Yes, it's still happening. Uh, but it's it's over now. Allison, I'll be upstairs any minute. Oh, look at this. They brought me. Thank you. They brought me a Culver's something. Oh, there you go. Concrete mixer. There you go. I knew it was a weird name. Anyways, guys, lots of fun. And uh, Nick. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, dude. This uh, this has been a lot of fun, and uh, you know, of course, we'll still stay in touch. We'll still work with, uh, you know, we'll we'll still be talking soccer and uh, and all oh, that yeah. stuff, and maybe we'll have you guest on some of these upcoming videos. But we'll see. You're still gonna be getting uh, text messages for me at every random hour of the night when there's World Cup games on and everything else. Yeah, for sure. There you go. Sounds good, man. Well, guys, we'll see you guys on Wednesday night. Picks and predictions just dropped earlier today, so if you haven't watched that yet, jump on it. And uh, we'll see you Wednesday night. Have a great one, guys. Good night.